0: Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. 2 Kings chapter 8. For those of you with incredible memory, you'll remember two weeks ago we were in 2 Kings chapter 7. The story of Elisha when there was a famine in the land. Now, in 2 Kings chapter seven, we were there a week. We were there two weeks ago, and it's the story of a a, a, town, a, a city that had got gone under siege by the enemy, and there had been given a word that there was going to be a blessing that came. And if you remember the story, and as we move on to 2 Kings chapter eight, it's still the prophet Elisha. But in this particular passage, there's a, a lady, a woman who we know as the Shunammite woman. The Shunammite woman. She's one that her and her husband had provided a place for Elisha to come when he was passing through. He was one that was, um, Elisha was a, a great prophet in the in the nation of Israel, and so she just provided a, a place for him to stay in to lodge while he was coming through town. You remember his son had, her son, he'd Elisha had prophesied that she would have a son. She had one. Then that son died. Elisha came by the grace of God and raised that son back to back to life. And so she had had a history with Elisha. And now in verse eight, we pick up as the same players, Elisha, this Shunammite woman, and begin in verse number one. It says, Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, "Arise, go." You and your household, and stay wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine, and furthermore, it will come upon the land for seven years. Elisha finds this particular woman. He says to her, "Look, there's a famine coming on the land. In other words, there's food's going to be scarce, crops are going to be down and low." He says, "You need to leave here and go to another place." So the woman arose and did according to the saying of the man of God, and she went with her household and dwelt in the land of the Philistines seven years. Philistines were enemies of the Israelites. It came to pass at the end of seven years that the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went to make an appeal to the king for her house and for her land. Then the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, please, all the great things Elisha has done. Now it happened as he was telling the king how he had restored the dead to life, that there was the woman whose son he had restored to life appealing to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, "My lord, O oh king, this is the woman, and this is her son, whom Elisha restored to life." And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed a certain officer for her, saying, "Restore all that was hers and all the proceeds of the field, from the day that she left the land until now." Father, again, thank you for the word of God. Thank you that it gives us encouragement today, it gives us strength for today, it gives us a purpose to go tomorrow. And thank you for the, the preaching and the receiving of the word today. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And, and thank you, God, for faith. We love you and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's the story. So Elisha speaks to this woman says and gives her a prophecy. And he tells her something is about to come upon the land, that there's going to be seven years of a famine. And the woman takes the advice of, the, of, of Elisha, and she takes all of her household and moves away for seven years. Finally, she decides to come back. When she comes back, she has to go to the king to get her land to her restored, of which the king does. But ironically, what happens is while she is coming back to see the king, Gehazi, who's Elisha's servant, is talking with the king about this particular woman. And the king says, Gehazi says, look, she comes in. This is the woman. The king gives her all her land back, gives her the proceeds from it, and God is honored as a woman who's honored God. Now, there are times in the life of you you and I when things happen that probably are not necessarily our fault. There are things that happen that are not necessarily lands on our back. We're just kind of caught in the crossfire. A loved one dies no fault of our own. A, a person leaves. A, a company downsizes you. Things happen that you just didn't see coming, and you're just kind of caught in the crossfire. But do you know that even in those times, God has a pathway of provision for his people? Even in the times when you didn't see it coming, even when the time when a pandemic strikes the entire world, even in those particular times, God still has a way of provision, a pathway for his people. This particular lady here, she didn't see this coming. It wasn't her fault that there was a famine in the land. When, let me just say this about, about natural disasters. Do you know that God has his finger on the pulse of natural disasters in this world? Hurricanes, tornadoes, uh, uh, every different type of earthquake, things like that. Many times God uses that to judge a people. So when you say, what do you mean to judge a people? When people don't do right, lots of times God sends particular types of disasters to help those people to turn back to God. In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 28, God lays it out for everybody. He says, look, I'm your God, you're my people. If you do th- if you do right, if you follow me and you obey me, these things will happen. And he puts a list of things. You'll be blessed in your field, you'll be blessed in your, in your children, you'll be blessed in the areas of life, you'll be protected from your enemies when you follow after God. And on the other side is the curses. And the curses is if you don't follow God, if you don't keep his decrees and go after, walk after his ways, these things will happen. And he says you'll have, you'll have famine. The land won't produce. Your children won't be blessed. Your enemies will overtake you. So really, God uses natural disasters to really bless people, to help people, or to bring people back to him. He doesn't ever do it just because he's got a bad, a bad attitude one day. God didn't ever wake up with a back, with a backache and say, "Oh, today I'm sending lightning to strike somebody." So what happens in a, in the nation that we live in? That there are times, if you're familiar with with the with the state of California, and I say this because California has had drought problems. They've had fire, wildfire problems. They had something called El Nino. But California is a liberal state, very liberal. In other words, not liberal if that's your political per- perspective, but liberal as they've opposed God in their, in their thinking, in their laws. Things have happened in, in, in California. They've allowed lifestyles to flourish They've allowed different things that God is specifically against to happen. Do you suspect that maybe those wildfires and those droughts are a way for God to try to get California to come back to Him? There's godly people in California who love the Lord, but as long as people are in position who oppose God, God's going to do something to get those people to pray and to seek God so God can turn things around. Does that make sense? So so, natural, I had one man in church one time. He, there was a hurricane that came through, and he got up in church and talked about, hey, that's, just God, that's not God's fault. God didn't have anything to do with it. He said, it just happened. So I had to go behind him and said, look, God controls the winds and the waves. Nothing that happens on this earth doesn't go through the hands of Almighty God. Almighty God, is, let me tell you something, Almighty God is right in the middle of your situation." He's right in the middle of your hurricane. He's right in the middle of your tornado. He's right in the middle of wherever you are. He's not so far removed that he doesn't know how many hairs upon upon your head. He's that kind of a God who knows exactly what's going on in the world that we live in. Thank God, because some of us live crazy lives, and we need God right in the middle of our life. So we come to this Shunammite woman, and the Lord called for a famine, because Israel at at that particular time had turned away from God. And he said it would come for for seven years. Now, when when tragedy happens, it's interesting to me, he says this in verse 1, Arise and go, you and your household, stay wherever you can. When life kind of gets topsy-turvy, he gave her some good advice. He didn't tell her where to go. He just said, go wherever you can. And so there's some good advice in that. When life seems to be going crazy and things happen that you didn't suspect happen, do you know that when we do the best we can before God, that's all God requires of us? He could have told this little lady, look, go to Philistine, go to Gaza, go to this neighborhood, go to this street, third house on the left, knock on the door, open it up, and tell them, hey, I've been staying here for seven years. But he didn't give him that information, did he? He just said, go somewhere, anywhere, and do the best you can. Listen, for those that have gone through divorce or going through divorce, sometimes you just do the best you can by God. When the, when you get a, a, a notice from the from the job that they're no longer going to need your services or getting downsized, just do the best you can by God. What do I do next? What do I do when I go through times like that? Friend, sometimes God just says, do the best you can by me. I have a, a, a relative I love very dearly, went through a divorce. And before, um, when he was, he was always in church, just grew up in church, and he would always sit on the front row and would always raise his hands during worship and worship God, had a passion for that. And so he we went through this divorce, and it was hard to watch him go through it. But the week after he signed the divorce decree, do you know where he was? The next week, next Sunday, he was on the front row. He had his hands raised, and he was worshiping God. He was just doing the best he could. See, the thing is, is I appreciate that about God. Sometimes God says, look, I can't tell you exactly what to do right now. That's not part of my plan. But what I can tell you to do is just do the best you can. Just hang in there just keep on keeping on. Just know what you to do right. Some people, tragedy happens and they walk away from God. They push God off to the side. They forget about God. They think God didn't help me. But then there are those that God just says, look, do the best you can. Keep loving me the best you know how. Keep serving me the best you know how. Keep following after me the best, the best you know how. Because one day, one day as we're going to read here, God will make everything right. One day, God will turn things around. One day, God will, all of a sudden, 50 years later, God will overturn a law that you never thought you'd see in your lifetime. But God will do it. God will do it. So we see this in this, this little lady. that He tells her to go to anywhere she can go. So she arose and did according to the saying of the man of God. Look at verse 2. She arose and did according to the saying of the man of God. This woman based her whole future on the word of a minister. Did you see that? She based her whole household left with her, her husband, her children, whether she had people that worked for her or them, but everything was based on what a minister said. Let me say this not to everybody. This is just for somebody. This is not for everybody. At some point, you're going to have to trust a minister again. At some point, and I know this, I know that lots of times in church, lots of times we get dinged, we get misunderstood. Things happen that we don't agree with, and, and, and we, sometimes we get mad at the, a minister, a preacher. Listen, I'm a preacher, and I know more than anything that there are times when I get mad at the things that I say. But for somebody, let me encourage you. There comes a time where God wants to speak to you through the mouth of a pastor, of an evangelist, of a superintendent, of a missionary, of a, of a friend that's a minister, or a, but at some point God wants to speak to you, and don't turn a deaf ear to God because he just because you don't like the way or what's happened in the past through the hands of a minister. Will you receive that today? I had a man tell me one time. He said, "I don't listen to," and this is when our kids were younger that I had preached and preached on, on uh, raising kids, and his kids were older. They had, he had grandkids, and he came up to me after church, and he said, Look, I don't listen to any preacher about raising kids until they've raised them all the way up. Of course, it kind of hurt my feelings first, at first, but then I thought, You know what? He, he just turned a deaf ear. Maybe God had said had something that he could have received that particular day, but just because he didn't receive from a minister, maybe he missed a word from God. I don't want to miss a word from God no matter who it comes from. If it comes from a Methodist and it's from God, I want to receive it. If it comes from a Catholic priest and it's from God, I want to receive it. If it comes from a donkey in the Bible, I I, I want to receive it. Don't matter who it comes from, but I don't want to miss out on a word from God just because I think it can come through that particular person. Amen? So here we go. So she arose. Verse 2, and and did the saying according to the man of God, and she went with her household and dwelt in the land of the Philistines for seven years. Verse 3, it came to pass at the end of seven years that the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went to make an appeal to the king for her house and for her land. Now, let me explain to you what happens with with land ownership in, in Israel. When the 12 tribes went into the land, God divided the land. 12 tribes, and they divided the land among the 12 tribes. They then divided that land among the the clans of that tribe and then the families of that tribe. And then what would happen is everybody had a piece of property. Everybody had something that they could support themselves and support their family with. Now, it could never be sold. I could never sell my land. But what could happen is if I got in financial trouble, I could almost rent my land to somebody else so I could help pay that debt back. If things got real bad, I would then go sell my, not sell my land, but rent it to the to the bank, and the bank would then hire me to work my land until I could pay them back. At the end of 50 years, all debts were forgiven. Come on, we need to bring that back in America today, don't we? It didn't matter what you owed, who you owed the land for, who you owed, all debts were forgiven at 50 years, called the year of Jubilee. This little lady here, had to raise funds to travel away so she rented her land out to the king so when she came back she went to take possession of her land again there was probably money that she owed against that land so it's interesting to me that she went to the king to get her land back and uh, when she got now the interesting part is when she got there now watch this when she walks in the door when she walks in the door Gehazi, who is Elisha's um, servant, is talking with the king about her. About her. You ever walked in the door and somebody was talking about you? You ever walked in the door and your wife's on the phone and she's mentioning your name? Well, that'll make you get scared real quick, won't it? So he walks in and she's talking. They're talking about her. And what happens, is see, the thing is, is that the king was talking. He had heard about Elisha and the great things, the miracles that had happened at the hands of Elisha. And he heard about this Shunammite woman who raised, whose son was raised from the dead. And so he had invited Gehazi in to talk about that, and that's the exact moment that the little lady walked in. Listen, God will put you in the right place at the right time with the right people. If times are tough, If gas is $10 a gallon, I want you to know as a child of God, as the people of God, God will just happen to put you in the right place with the right conversation at the right time. If I gave you a microphone, each one of you over and over could talk about a time, maybe a job that you got. You just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Maybe your spouse, you just bumped into her. You sat down in church one day, and you sat right next to her. God put you in the right place at the right time with the right people. I began to go back through my, my short life my young life. And I love saying that when I get to say a talk about me. I get to talk about my young life. Makes me feel young. So what I would do is I went back and I thought there was a job that I had. And when I when, when I interviewed with the, the, the manager, he said, you know what? I got a brother with the first name, Carrie. And I'd gone through my resume and I'd gone through all the things, you know, they ask you all the things that you've done and all the experience you've had. And I think I got that job for no other reason, but just because the hiring manager had a brother that had my first name. I really don't care. I'm just glad I got the job. But God just had to put me in the right place at the right time. And then another job that I got, I sat down with a hiring manager in that particular one, and he goes, you know what? The last guy that that, that just resigned from this position, you look just like him. He said, he's tall, he's thin, he's kind of got your build, kind of got your eyes. All our customers loved him. A week later, I was hired. I mean, I, got, I had five pages of resume, all the things I'd done. I tried to tell how wonderful and all those things was. The only reason I got the job is because I look like the last guy. But that's okay. It's, I don't care because I got the job. First church we ever pastored. They had called, and they'd called the church we were attending, and they were going to call the pastor to do like a, res, a reference check. And they didn't get the pastor. They got the pastor's mama. And she loved me. And for some reason, she got on the phone, and they t- told her what, she, what they were calling about. She just sang my praises. I don't really think that got that job because I was such a great preacher. I think I got the, j- the job because Betty Burton answered the phone. I don't care. But here's the thing: here's God puts you in the right place at the right time. When I walked into church one day, it was late for church for Wednesday night church. I Was going to run in, sit on the back row. Came in sweating. I'd been running. I ran from my house to church. It was about a quarter of a mile because it was close enough. I really didn't have to drive. But I came in. It was hot. I was sweating. And I just found an empty spot. Looked looked in church, found an empty spot, sat down. And guess who I sat right next to? Leanne Hoover, my wife of 26 years now. Listen, I don't think she just really thought I was all that great. But the thing is, I just happened to sit by, by her at the right particular time. See, the thing is, is God does that for you. God just happens to put you in the right place at the right time. You just just let God be God. And don't give up and don't quit and trust him. Even when there's a famine in the land, God will have them talking about you when you show up. And that's this little lady right here. That's this little lady right here. She just happens to show up. And when she shows up, they say, look, we're just talking about her. Now, let me just talk to you for a second, business people. Because when she showed up, the king said this. We're just talking about you. And she made her request, and and so not only did she get her land back, but they went back and they figured out how much her land had produced in the last seven years, and they gave her the gross, not the net. you all keep up with me? In other words, usually when you produce a crop, you pay the bills, and then you get what's left over. The king didn't do that. He went back and saw how much it produced, and he gave her the entire amount for all seven years. She couldn't have done that good if she had worked it herself. She couldn't have done that good if she had stayed there. But that's the kind of God we honor. That's the kind of God we serve. He gives us more than enough. He provides in ways we could never provide for ourselves. He does things so wonderful that even in those things, He he does above and beyond what we could ever ask or think. If you believe that to be true, then just give the Lord a hand clap today. If he's been like that for you, now for some of you who have been here a while, you understand this is kind of how I preach. I just feel like God's always got something good on the other side of tomorrow. And the goal is, as you're going, can you ever preach anything else? The goal is, is that you'll start to expect that when you leave here that no matter what you face, no matter what the doctor says, no matter what the lawyer says, no matter what the banker says, you'll leave here and you'll just have this expectation, I can't wait to see what God's going to do. I can't wait to see how God's going to show up and figure this one out. I mean, my goodness, there's just no way that God could have ever, nobody could have done anything like this except Almighty God. So, my friends, let me tell you something. Tomorrow on Monday morning when you get up and go to work, my prayer is that you wake up and you say, God, I don't know what's going to happen today, but I know it's going to be wonderful. God, I don't know what's going to happen today, but today may be the day they overturn Roe versus Wade. God, I don't know what you're going to do today, but I just expect my kids, something great's going to happen. God, I got these problems. I got this famine. I got this pandemic. I got high gas prices. I got all these things. But what I do know this is you're not going to stop being odd just because gas has gone up. Amen. Gehazi. The interesting thing about Gehazi, take your Bible and go that way. Go left. Go to chapter 5. Just to show you the extreme measures that God will go to, how he'll work circumstances around in your life just to make, make things work for you. In 2 Kings chapter 5, in verse 20, Elisha has just, uh, by the hand of God, has watched Naaman get healed of leprosy. You know Naaman went and dipped. How many times? Seven times. JBQ question. How many times did JBQ dip in the did Naaman dip in the in the Jordan River before he was healed? Seven times. Naaman was 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 dipped seven times in the Jordan. Got up, he was healed. And this is the right on the heels of that. Naaman offers Elisha money. Elisha says, No, I don't want it. In verse 20, this is where it picks up. This same Gehazi. The servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Look, my master has spared Naaman the Syrian while not receiving from his hands what is brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. Gehazi got dollar signs in his eyes, didn't he, y'all? He said, Look, this guy came with all this pomp and all this money, and Elisha didn't take anything. We ought to get a little something for our troubles. So he chases after Naaman. Verse 21, He pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw him running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, "Is all well. He said, All is well, but my master has sent me, saying, Indeed, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garments. So Naaman said, Please take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in his two bags with two changes of garments and handed them to two of his servants, and they carried them on ahead of him. When he came into the city, he took them from their hand and stored them away. Then he let the men go, and they departed. He went in and stood before his master, Elisha, said to him, Every teenager, listen to me. Your parents know when you do something wrong. Every kid, your parents know when you do something wrong. I tell my kids, you better go ahead and tell me what you did, because the Holy Spirit will tell me if you don't, and you're going to get in trouble twice as hard if he tells me and not you. Now, I don't know if that works or not, but it sure kept my kids in line. Amen? He goes to, Ge- Gehazi goes to Elisha, and the first thing Elisha says, where you been? Oh, I've just been, you know, kind of running around, getting stuff done. He said, nope, no, you hadn't. You went and took money from Naaman, didn't you? And the Bible says this, and, and the word, the way it says this, and, and, and Elisha said this, he said, because you took money, when I didn't take money from Naaman, because you took money, the leprosy that was on him would now fall on you and all your family. So from that day forward, Gehazi and all of his family had leprosy. Skin disease. Fast forward to 2 Kings chapter 8. When Gehazi stood before the king, what condition was he in? He was leprous, wasn't he? Leprosy was the COVID of the day. Worse. Because they had to cover themselves. They could not go in the city. They had to yell out unclean, unclean to everybody who came around because it was so contagious. And yet, somehow the king had allowed Gehazi to come in before him and tell him the story about that little lady. That, that doesn't happen. You, you protect the king, don't you? I mean, in the day the president, they, they got doctors and nurses and all kinds of things to protect the president. You just don't allow a sick person to come into, the, into the, the, the company of the president of the United States. You don't just allow a person who's got leprosy to come in before the king. But see, here's the thing about our God. He can work circumstances out that nobody else can work out. He can maneuver and he can work things through things that nobody else can work through. Even to the point that the king said, I don't care if he's got leprosy. I want to know what God did through the prophet Elisha. So if God will do that for this little Shunammite woman, what can he do and what can he not do for me and for you? That means if it's a business, look, there's no way this business is going to work. God can maybe somehow work it around. He'll bring the right people into your path. He'll bring the right clients, the right customers, because he's the kind of God who can do things that nobody else can do. I'm looking for that special someone, but I'm 37 years old, and and I want somebody who loves God. There's just nobody out there like that. Friend, God can work through things. He can navigate things. People on the East Coast, He can move them here to Arkansas somehow and th- to sit them right next to you in church one day, or you'll bump into them work one day, and that's the one that God has for you. Don't ever doubt the things that God will move to get you to your place where He wants you to be. Do you believe that? Do you expect that? For you, you say, look, I'm just a Joe Christian. Let me tell you, my friend, you are not just Joe Christian. You are somebody to Jesus. You're not number 11,231,000. You are are Rowan. You You are Brother Pace. You are Ryan. You are carry. You, you are known on a first-name basis by the creator of the universe, and he's going to work things out through famine or storm or hurricane or whatever the case may be, any trial you might go through. God's going to provide a pathway for your provision. Amen? Can you imagine the little look on that lady's face when she walks in and they're talking about her? Or the look on her husband's face when she goes home and says, you're not going to believe this. They're going to give us the land but give us the gross as well. Can you just imagine, anybody ever been there? You ever been there where you just kind of go, I don't know how God did it, but he did it. That's where I am today, because I don't know how in the world God overturned something that seems so ingrained in American American life, that today we stand and it was overturned. Let me tell you this, it wasn't done by the hand of men. God used men, but at the end of the day, it was done by the hand of an almighty God. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grows your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.